0: you buy something on credit card, you're paying for it every single time you look at your credit card statements. You're like, oh, I've got that much left. And you got the interest on top. I'm not fussed about the interest. That's money that you can make and pay for it. I'm more concerned with the energetic, like, oh, seriously, you pay for it every single time you look at the credit card statement, okay? Now, reverse that. When we save up the pot of money in these large purchases and we will use it to buy things we normally buy in credit cards, guess what we're doing? So instead of paying for it every single time, We are doing the opposite. Every time you look into the scan, you're like, I'm going to buy that new iPhone 12. Even before you get that particular item, you are again imagining living, having that item. So you are already enjoying the item beforehand. Straight from the
1: boardroom to the microphone. I'm April Garcia, and this is Pivot Me. Easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is... Is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is Pivot Me. Get your pen ready because we are covering three steps to cash flow mastery. Today, my interview is with Gul Khan, a former banking and finance lawyer. She is also a serial entrepreneur and self-made millionaire who left corporate to become a money mindset expert, author, international speaker, podcaster, a barrister, had to look that one up, an attorney and EFT expert. She's going to walk us through the importance of your relationship with money, why you might make good money, but don't always keep it, and will even give practical steps on how to amass wealth and why it's okay to want a Bentley in your driveway. She successfully overcame her battle with dyslexia and completed her law degree at the Queen Mary University of London, then a barrister with Middle Temple, attorney with the New York Bar, and a solicitor with the Law Society of England and Wales. Now she is releasing a book this month called The Laws of Money. Let's get into it. So it's funny, we were just talking about the law of attraction earlier today that it's a powerful concept. The piece that's missing for a lot of people is the execution too. Well, you can't just put this intention out in the world, then you have to go out and
0: execute on the intention too. We don't get what we want. We get what we're aligned with. I think this is a big factor that most people don't understand. You don't get what you work for. You don't get what you want. You get what you're aligned with. And you have to work on what are you aligned with? What are you actually constantly thinking of in the background? So most people who, who are listening to the podcast are probably familiar with think likes of Thinking Growth, you know, in a Napoleon Hill and people like uh, Bob Proctor, but they don't realize those people, those books will last you in your mind for what? Five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, 23 hours a day, when you're sleeping, you're in the other mindset. So if you're not reprogramming your mindset, majority of the time you're going against yourself. You're thinking against yourself. So you can think of all the affirmations in the world and be all the positive person in the world, yet you will not get your results. And that's why 95% or more people who try the law of attraction go in the opposite direction. And I think that's your way of contributing back to the society really comes in because we do need to contribute back. That's one of the, one of the, you know, one of the, our needs, as I think as, as, especially I think being social entrepreneurs, it's not about making, filling our pockets up with money, which is great, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, but there has to be something more, something more deep, meaningful, and being able to know that you you're making an impact in, in your clients' lives, but also those around them and those people who are not your clients. We don't see a reality. We saw what we think is a reality. It's our version of it. Two people can be watching the same exact thing and have two versions of it. So it's our version of the reality. And quantum physics also teaches us, you know, that particles actually land where we expect them to. If that's the case, you need to take our attention away from the physical reality outside, bring it back inside, slow down, focus on that. And you just have to work with it. Yes, so execution, coming to the execution part, you still have to work with certain things. So then you take. Inspired action. I talk about this in the book quite a bit. You have to take inspired action. You don't sit on the backside and think, "Okay, I'm dreaming about my you know perfect reality. It's going to happen." That doesn't happen. You have to visualize it first, and then seek guidance. And the guidance is always given. By the way, it's always given. This idea that I have my intuitions I have intuition and somebody else doesn't is a load of BS as well. Every single person has intuition. It's a muscle. Depending on how much you've used it, you can either hear it, see it or whatever, because it's different for every person as well, because you guys will speak to you in the language which is most appropriate for you. It may be visual for me, it may be auditory for you, it doesn't really matter. So when you learn to use intuition, you can seek that guidance. Most people, they do one thing, they either ignore the internal thing and just busy, 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 and they're not productive, or they just visualize and then sit in the backside and think, okay, God, bring it on to me, and it doesn't work either way. You will be tested. So when you go on your journey to whatever it is, be a love, be a health, be a money, whatever you want to get out, the universe will say, okay, really? You're serious about this? You want this? Okay, here are your blocks. Get rid of them first. You have to go through this river of change. And river of change is not easy. It's literally going and facing your deepest, darkest demons. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be really hard work. So when you go through this river of change, you're gonna be going through pain and you're gonna to wanna to swim back. Like, no, I don't I don't really wanna do this. This is too much. I really can't be asked. This is where your willpower comes because you don't need to willpower anything else. You have to go through this river of change, come at the other end. And when, I, when you come at the other end, you've let go of the pain, you've let go of the trauma and you've gone through this metamorphosis you've gone through this transformation and you now realize, okay, I'm now a butterfly, I let go of being a caterpillar. But this is something else. This is something else you have to be prepared for. When you do go through that transformation, if people around you are not going to be butterflies around you, you will have difficulty communicating with caterpillars. Keep that in mind. So a lot of people say to me as well, you know, as I'm growing through this, I'm not connecting with my friends anymore. You can't. You are no longer communicating with them because your language has changed. You're now a butterfly. You are communicating with butterflies. When you try to communicate with caterpillars, which are on the ground, they won't be able to understand what you're saying. And therefore, you will have that distance and you won't be able to be in that comfort zone anymore. Unless you want to come back into being cat- get a caterpillar, once you've expanded your horizons, it's very difficult to go back. It's a much smaller space to fit back into, for sure. So this yeah. So this is a much bigger picture of why the law of traction sure. doesn't, doesn't work for people. Well,
1: what would you say to an entrepreneur that's listening right now that has had some measure of success, med- some measure of financial success, but they're still struggling with
0: money? What advice would you give them specifically? I think that's a very common thing. So most people that come to work with me because of the, the way the mastermind is. They have to have some money coming in. Otherwise, you won't be able to afford to working with me in the mastermind level. And what I find with most people is just because you have a great idea in the works and you're able to provide a service and I attract, um, you know, really people who are, who are really generous, who want to give back to the societies so and the kind of people who want to really help their clients and help the world and just, you know. They really are monks in in entrepreneurial clothing. You have to fix your relation with money first. And most of these people who are so giving in nature, what I find is they have such negative beliefs around money that they think money is dirty, money is this, money is that. And somehow they think that by having money, by keeping money, their spirituality will be tainted. And so they have such negative underlying beliefs around money. No wonder they don't have money. So of course they're providing a service. And the way to make money is to provide a service or a product. They must be providing some amazing service to some amazing clients who are getting great results. But in that process, money comes, but you have such horrible, negative feelings towards money. It leaves you just as quickly. It says, bye-bye, I'm going. And it just goes off, right? It, it, Money doesn't get to choose whether it stays with you or doesn't. If your energy is repelling it, it will leave you faster than it came through. So this is why most people who are, especially in the, in the early on in the journey, who haven't worked on the money stories, you can do everything in terms of, you know, Instagram and club, and new new shiny objects is Clubhouse, Clubhouse, and LinkedIn and whatever else, and get all these clients and start making great money and be a six-figure earning even seven-figure, and I've seen this for seven-figure earners as well, but you won't be able to retain that money. You won't be able to keep that money. You won't be able to grow wealthy. Earning money, even seven figures, and becoming wealthy are two distinct concepts, and people don't understand that. When you have a healthy relationship with money, that's when you become wealthy. If you don't, you can be earning eight figures for all I care. If you're earning eight figures and you're burning eight figures, you're not wealthy and you won't, you'll never be wealthy. And this is something that you need to recognize. So you're building a relationship with money comes first and wealth comes second. But it's also, why do you want to be wealthy? I, I stop people all the time. If these are, I'm talking about eight figure earners who say, well, it's not because I want to get a Lamborghini. this. I'm like, hang a minute. Why don't you want to get a Lamborghini? Like, is there something wrong with getting a Lamborghini or a Porsche or a Bentley or a Maserati? No, there isn't. This idea that we should not be aiming for material goods or material wealth is false. We are having this physical experience. We are we are spiritual beings using the physical body having this physical experience for a reason, which means we need to make use of the physical things and I'm allowed to have them that because that's my choice. I want to. Now, it, am I only gonna be spending my money on the Porsche? Hell no. My thoughts are: if I want to help all the starving children, I have my I have my you know my ideas of what I wanna do, I will be spending at least a great portion of my money in those ventures. But that does not mean that I will negate my personal needs and my personal desires. I can take a 20% of the income, make I can earn so much that 20% of my income can. Paying for my mansion, my, my Bentley, my whatever whatever else, or the next toy I want to get, right? I can buy all those toys and keep that and still spend 80% to be able to spend on all these other things. Why can't I go and do that? This is my choice. They're not mutually exclusive. And denying yourself, oh no, I, I just want to be happy. What does that mean, right? Make so much money that you don't have to think about, you know, whether you're happy or no money or you don't have money. I mean, honestly, you know, I've read a quote somewhere. Money can't buy you happiness, but poverty shows how can it buy you hell, right? So money doesn't buy you happiness, but poverty does buy you a lot of misery. Dude, recognize that, right? You know, let's not go for poverty. Let's go for money. But when you have money, and you, when you, this is where building that relation with money is so important, I'm probably the most passionate and big, big advocates for money ever on the planet. I really am. I respect money. I love money, and I really do hold it in high regard. Yet, in none of my words, and none, in none of my energy, and anybody if anyone can understand or feel the energy, there's not an ounce of greed towards it. I have no greed for money. Why would I? It's my friend. I don't want to hold on to money for myself. What the hell? Why would do, do that? I respect money as a friend. This is what I talk about in my book as well. That you have to make become friends with money, and that's where I talk about money in Avatar, because. When you treat money as a friend, not as a tool, not as your servant, not as as something that's, you know, dirty or whatever, you give it the respect that it deserves. It comes and stays with you and then it becomes your friend. And then it's it's going to come and go. There's an ebb and flow of money. You have to recognize there's always an ebb and flow of money. It doesn't matter how much money you have. This is where you have to see that money is just not just for you, for your needs, but also you become a channel that other people can receive their abundance for as well. And I'm gonna say, you know, God. People don't have to believe in God. I believe in God, and, and being Muslim for me, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. For me, I I would say, God use me as a medium to help those who need it. So when I have this passion, this this intense passion to make so much money, it's because my needs will be taken up with a couple of million, by the way. Which by the way is quite lavish for some people. For me, I think that's quite modest. A couple of million, and I'm done. Like a nice house, which I have. I've got one car, a couple more cars, and I'm I'm literally done for what I need in this lifetime. The rest of the money it can be used elsewhere to leave a legacy behind to provide the needs for those people who are not in the privileged place like i am to be living in a country like uk and living in london and having access to all the uh, opportunities that i have but giving them the opportunities giving giving them back and how allowing them to grow and develop and be able to pass on have a ripple effect by helping those communities thereafter can you see how much money can kind of impact they can do and if i have this negative relation the money it's not gonna stay with me in the first place. You have to help yourself first. You know, that's important. And that's why you need money for your own needs. So if you're earning six figures or seven figures and thinking where the money's going, think about your own relationship with money first. Think about your own needs first. If you are thinking, oh, I shouldn't really get that car. That's very, you know, snobbish of me. That shows you have a negative relationship with money, right? If you think rich people are arrogant, that's relationship. You know, relationship with money. If you think, if I have money, I'll become pompous. If I have money, I'll become evil. If I have money, I'll become X. and that fill in the blanks. That shows you have this negative relationship with money that needs to be fixed first before you are able to keep it. And once you're able to keep it and hold on to it for longer duration, you can guide it in certain directions like the ones where you know you're helping children or women or shelters or homeless or this array of things that you can do. Sure, really positive things.
1: So talk to us all about your three steps to cash flow mastery. So again, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Um talk to walk walk us through the three steps for cash flow mastery.
0: Okay, so this takes usually takes me half an hour. I to try to say this as succinctly as possible in, in literally 5 minutes. I'm trying to do that. So Three steps to cash flow master. Let me just give you a quick background to how it came about. This came about, so this methodology, that's why I think everything I teach has come about through my own personal experiences. This methodology was born when I was sitting at the kitchen table, and I'm in the UK, by the way. So in the UK, we get what's called child benefit. Okay, I was entitled to uh, income uh, in support because I'm seen as a, because I had property, and so I had high income. Even though at that time I was going through a divorce, I didn't have access to my property, so I had literally no access to my property. There was it was completely taken over by the solicitors because of the property's in my name, and I'm getting rental income. I'm seen as high earner, and therefore the only thing I was entitled to. Was 137 pounds and 14 pence every four weeks, which approximately is about $160 every four weeks. That's all I had. And um, my, my ex had to pull the financial card, so it wasn't giving me anything, and I had literally nothing. Um, so this methodology was born then. I just want to put into context how powerful it is. And it, it was one of the pivotal moments for me. So the reason why you want to, I think everyone who's listening should actually go through the three for mastery and implement the strategy in their life, it will subtly through subliminal means, change your ideas, and most importantly, feelings towards money. And you will practically put into place a system, um, a a methodology which will manage your money in a way that's beneficial for you. And that's really, really important. Now, I'm doing this for personal finances because it's important to change your personal money. When your personal ideas and feelings towards money change, what you find is money in your business will change automatically. OK, because you and your business are not two distinct ent- entities. It is for all intents, purpose, and legal purposes, but energetically, they're intermingled. So if your energy around money is rectified, you will rectify the energy of business, too. So apply this in your personal finances first and we can talk about the business one later. OK, so starting with this. So it's three steps. First step is you want to be opening up five bank accounts. Now I say five bank accounts, but you can use five envelopes, you can use five jars, you can use five boxes. Eventually I think five bank accounts are important. They don't have to be, you know, like check accounts, just normal saving, basic saving accounts are fine. It's just so that you don't have the urges to, you know, to dip into it and take money out. That's just making it a little bit difficult to actually, you know, take money from it. That's That, that usually does the trick. If it's, if it's readily available on a shelf, it's, you're more likely to pin and take them away. So that's the reason sure. why. Otherwise you can, you can use whatever methodology works. But start off with five jars, five envelopes, or five boxes, five of them. So now, and then label them accordingly. And the labels are, that's step number two. Labels are, the first account is your account. So me account. And yours would be April's account. So your name, so specifically your name, and so Google's account, its that's very important. We can't just put my account. It has to have your name specifically. Number two is a fun account. Number three is a large purchases. Number four is debt. Sorry, number four is charity. And number five is debt slash investing. So I'm going to go through individually now why they're important very, very quickly. The me account. Now, the me account is we've learned from everything, like from Robert Kiyosaki to Bob Proctor. Everyone talks about pay yourself first. We don't do that. We just don't do that. We have like, how do I do this? How do I do this? This is super important. This money that you're going to put into this account, by the way, the order of the of the accounts is also very important. So you always put money into the order that I've just mentioned as well. Okay. Me account is so important because you need to pay yourself first, okay? And the money that goes into this account does not go to your children, not for your dog, not for your bills, not for your mortgage, not for your rent, not for your car payment, for nothing, not for food. You could be starving, I don't care. You don't have the money from here. Okay? This money you never, ever, ever, ever touch. Once it gets to a certain amount, you can put it into a, a low-risk investment. Like in UK, we have ISAs. You can have bonds, something which is very low risk. You don't, make, you don't lose the capital much. Sure. So you should have very easy access to the money. I think that's the important point. You don't want to um, have it so it's convoluted and it takes you two months to get access to it. The energy around it is it's yours. You can spend it tomorrow, but you don't because it's yours. And this is the message you're getting to the universe. Universe, This is my money. It belongs to me. No one gets to touch it. It's mine. I'm worth it. This is mine. Okay. This is a message you want to get across. Now there's also, I've been doing this for quite some years now. What I find is there's a certain amount of money that needs to come into this account because this is readily liquid, a liquid uh, capital, right? Mm -hmm. And there's energy around it. When you have this amount of money and this, by the way, it's not a rainy day account. It's not a savings account. I didn't call any of that. It's your account. Okay. When you have the energy around my account in that way, what you find is it has to get to a certain amount. Now it's different for everyone, but it ranges from $2,000 or pounds all the way up to 50,000 pounds. When you get you hit a certain number in this particular account, a penny drops and you're no longer ever wanting for money. All of a sudden your relationship with money just changes like that, okay? Hmm. So you will hit that number at some point if you, if you systematically adopt this methodology, It will take, depending on when you start and how well, it may take you two years, three years, five years, but I promise you, you will hit that number and you will know. I can't tell you what number it will be for you. It's never been more than 50,000 ever, okay? It's usually between 10 to 20. I have seen as low as 2,000 because it depends on which location of the world you're in. And I've seen it how it's 50,000, but that's the two extremes. It's usually around there. When you hit that number, it stops. And once so you hit that number, you no longer need to put money into this account anymore. You can what you can. The money that's allocated for this account, you can divert it to the fifth account, the last one. I'll talk about that in a bit. Okay? Just giving you a bit of an idea. But this is such a super account. Even once you hit that number, then that number sits. You take that money you put it into an ISA, a bond, or something. You don't spend it. That's super important. You are not going to spend it. You're not going to put it into property investment. You're not going to put it. To shit. You don't do anything ridiculous like that. You just keep it easily accessible to you forever. The purpose behind it isn't for it to give you ROI. And I know people say, "Well, it's losing. I'm losing. The, you know, the because of inflation, it loses value." We're not bothered about that because the amount of money you're going to attract to you because of this amount, it's going to far exceed the ROI you can possibly get in any investment. Okay? There's a reason for that. Okay. So that's account number one so you never ever ever, ever ever spend it that's the only account by the way you never spend the others you can spend as and when you choose okay okay account number two is fun account now why did i choose this now this was born because i come from a corporate background and in the corporate world We are regularly sent on these team building, you know, those moral building, morale building exercises. And I I, I sort of dissected, that. thought, why do the companies, and they spend spend hundreds of thousands on those stupid exercises, right? The reason why is because when you are in having fun, when you're actively doing something, having fun uh, with your colleagues, with your peer groups, you are releasing endomorphins. You are releasing, you're making these synaptic connections and while having fun, which builds trust, like, and Almost, you know, because the end of you, you become to like them more, you actually love them more. So that's forms of bonding between you and them, okay, energetically. Now, this is why fun is so important. When you're having fun with someone, you like them more, you enjoy them more, and you guess what? You work better with them more. So people, when come back from these, uh, these team building exercises, they have companionship or whatever, or friendly or whatever, and they operate better as a team collective in the office environment and so productivity increases many fold this is why people these big companies invest in this right sure so I took the same concept okay fine. If I want to hack my way to becoming a brilliant relationship with money, what's the use of Let me have fun with money. This is why this account is called fun money. So the money that goes into this account, you only spend on fun. Non-food, non-kids, non-bills, or anything else. It's fun. Now, this will do two things. One, at the moment, every time you think of money, you're thinking of bills, mortgages, and all the way money goes out of you, all the way money stresses you. Systematically, what will happen is as you start putting money into this account? And initially, it could be quite low, by the way. So show you my example. When I first started doing this, I had very little money to put into this. I've always been a big movie fan. So every time we had a big enough pot in this, I would take my kids to the movies. And that was my idea of fun. So while the pot was building up for me to take my kids to the movies, I was anticipating going to the movies so my brain was already getting excited and enjoying the fact that I'm going to go to the movies and have watched whatever movie it was you know could be a Disney movie or whatever the movie was and I'm going to have this fun with kids remember keep in mind at the time I didn't have enough I just had barely enough to buy the tickets and probably some of the cheap ones as well and I would go to like my local store and buy you know popcorn and butter, put it in a bag and take it with me into the into the cinema, which we're not like to, but I did. Right? That's how where I started initially. And so it, it gradually built up. But what you'll find is over a period of time, so not only when you look at that fun account, you'll you'll start living it, anticipating it, already enjoying the activity, what is it going to do? I'm gonna go and do X, Y, Z. So every time you think of money coming in, you will not think of money going out. You will think of money going into this fun account, how you're gonna have fun with money. And systematically through a drop every single time, what we'll find is we are reversing your energy around money. Instead of thinking money's going out, money's stressful, money's frustration, whatever, whatever, because of the bills and all the things you have to pay, you start thinking, oh, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna do this. And then as the pot grows, you can do other things like go to spa and do whatever else you can do whatever with this money, but it's about fun. Now you cannot give this money to some, your spouse or your kids to go and have fun. That doesn't work. You have to have fun. So I go with my kids to the movies. I go with my kids to X, Y, Z. I've used this money to buy them, you know, the seasonal tickets to theme parks as well. But I have one too, which by the way, I don't like, I really don't like theme parks, but I got one for myself and I go with them. I enjoy watching them scream and shout and whatever. That's fun for me. Okay, I hate roller coaster rides. I think I blame pregnancy for that. By the way, I was, I was really good at roller coasters before. I blame pregnancy as changed hormones. I can't even see the sight of them anymore. Like motion sickness is just, oh. Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> but the thing is, you need to have fun. Okay, you have to be involved because this is your relationship money that you're changing. And so, as I said, you're anticipating that joy, fun mode, and that's what you'll do. So, that's kind of a two. Very, very powerful, really powerful. Number three, large purchases. Now, we all know about, you know, we need to, we need to train ourselves to de- delayed gratification, but we don't do it. This is a methodology to change the way you treat money. At the moment, let me ask you this, April, when you buy something, okay, how many times do you pay for it, it if you buy on credit
1: card? I was going to say, it depends on how you pay for it. Well, obviously the initial purchase, and then I guess you probably pay for it multiple times, depending on how long you have a balance on it.
0: Exactly. And I want you to recognize that it's not just the ones, If you buy something on credit card, you're paying for it. Every single time you look at your credit card statements, you're like, oh I've got that much left. Oh my god, I got that much left still. Oh bloody hell, that much and you got the interest on top. I'm not fussed about the interest because that you that's money that you can make and pay for it. I'm more concerned with the energetic, like oh seriously, you pay for it. Every single time you look at the credit card statement, okay? Now, reverse it. When we save up the pot of money in these large purchases and we will use it to buy things we normally buy in credit cards, guess what we're doing? So instead of paying for every single time, we are doing the opposite. And Every time you look into the scan, you're like, I'm going to buy that new iPhone 12. I'm going to enjoy it. X, y, Z." Even before you get that particular item, you are again imagining living, having that item. So you are already enjoying the item beforehand, training your mind to actually absorb it and see it as a pot of gold is part of the money is building up. So what you're doing is doing twofolds. One, training yourself to have delayed gratification with money to buy after you've had the money. But not only that, you are still energetically buying it again and again, instead of paying for it again and again, you're buying again and again. And again, every time you think about buying, guess what? You just bought it, but you've enjoyed that process of buying. Whereas if you're buying credit card, you buy once, you pay multiple times. This way you buy multiple times and you're going to pay once once you, when the account's built up. And even then, the gratification you have in your heart, it won't be painful pain. You'll be, oh, I'm so happy and so grateful, I'm so proud of myself, I'm a boy. My money is saved up. It's a complete different energy. You can see and every account is building on the other or building on the other and changing your internal feelings and energy towards money. Right. So that's account number three. Account okay, number four is charity. Now, this is self-explanatory. I think most people who are listening to this podcast will be people who are generous souls anyway, they want to give away. So I, I also want to put a limit on it as well. So this is important. A lot of people give away too much. Initially, stick to 10%. Okay. Obviously, this won't be this would not be 10% depending on income. I'm gonna tell you how much in steps and three of how much to put in. But maximum at the moment, you know, until you get to a certain level, 10% should be the maximum. Okay. But there are other people who say, okay, I'll give it when I have money. No, you have to start now. Okay. There's a reason for that. You cannot give unless you have, that's true. I can't give you anything unless I have it in the first place. So when you give even at this moment in time, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar or $10, you tell the universe, universe, I had this and I gave it. Now the, the only thing I ask you to do is you have to give it unconditionally. There are no strings attached whatsoever. I have a lot of people saying, you know, oh, I tithe to the church or the are tied to whatever, or I give to the masjid or I give to the synagogue or whatever. My thing is, their idea is if I give one to God, I'll get 10 back. Like, dude, why are you bartering with God? Like, seriously, seriously, you're bartering with divine energy? That's so stupid. Why do I want to get one back or 10 back? I want to get billions back, right? I can only give one because that's all I can have. That's all I can give at the moment. Why do I want to limit myself to $10? That's not That's not what I want, Right. Divine energy can give me a billion back. Let him give me a billion back, right? But that can only happen if you give it unconditionally. No strings attached. There's no bartering here. You're not giving because divine energy is going to give you something back. You say, well, divine energy, I'm giving this to these people, whoever it is. By the way, I'll explain who you should give it to. I'm giving because I have so much. So I want to give. Right? And when you come from the point of abundance, like, I have so much I can give, the universe universe doesn't like debt, by the way. It doesn't. If you do something for it, it will return it many fold over. Now, if you put limit on like, okay, I'll give you one, you give me 10 back. I say, okay, fine. Have 10 back. It will give you the 10 back, but it won't be 10. Whereas I'm thinking go for the hundred, go for the thousand. Hey, forget that. Let's go for billions. Why not? Right.
1: Everything demands your attention right now. You want to be on your A-game, but you need two of you just to manage your day. But what if I could multiply you? What if I told you there are secrets that top performers are using right now to still get ahead? There are, and I'll give them to you. In my new Four Steps videos, I'll show you how to master distraction, practice prioritization, get the right things done without working more hours. And for now, I'm doing it for free. Your time is priceless right now and you need to take back control of your day and your to-do list. Go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps and you can begin the videos within seconds. We all need more time right now and four steps will give it to you. Yes, you can multiply yourself. And I'll show you how to do it in four steps.
0: Constantly ask, but ask in a different way where you're coming from a place of gratitude, not because I've done you a favor and do me a favor back. No bartering system. So that's very important. Now, who do you give it to? Now, I don't really care who you give it to, honestly. I don't care. As long as it's something that resonates with your internal energy, I don't care. It could be a neighbor, it could be a family member, it could be your favorite pet charity or something. I don't care. The only condition is if it's a family member or if someone you know, please, please, please make it unconditional. There are no strings attached. You do not mention it. You don't make them feel guilty or make them feel a little about it. Give it in a way that's most discreetly as possible. And do it as with all the humility as possible, with no expectations. They could turn around and swear at you tomorrow and you would not be bothered about it that I gave you hundred bucks the other day. It doesn't work that way. They can be them, you be you. So only give to people that you can actually detach yourself from and keep it unconditional and do no strings attached to giving. So that's the only condition I have. Completely unconditional. So that's account number four. Coming to account number five is debt slush investments. Now, Debt. Why? Because by the way, so you'll, you'll be paying your normal debt. So we have a normal monthly, um, you have, but this money from this account can go to pay off your debt early. That's one thing. Now, why have I included investments? Because what, well, guess what, April, when you think of investors, people who invest, who do we think of? Warren Buffett. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wealthy people right? Our idea of people who invest is wealthy people. So when you have an investment account that you're going to go and take money from, by the way, we live in a day and age where we can go take $50 and go put in Bitcoin and that become, and become an investor, right? Instantly, instantly, you've put yourself in the same category as Warren Buffett. If people who invest, okay, so you don't have as much money as Warren Buffett, but you're in the same category as Warren Buffett because you're now investing. Okay. And that changes your energy completely okay and slowly systematically as you build up this account and you start putting into investments in, in and actually see those investments you know go up and down whatever your energy about yourself will change because you will have this idea this label what do investors look like and we are putting ourselves in the same and the same label we're now investors so we have to change our identity to adapt the new identity of becoming an investor can you see how powerful this is really super powerful we can start where you are right now yeah so I recommend for people to, if they don't have debt, great, stick to the investments altogether. But if you do have debt, split account number five into half paying your, your debts early and half into investments. So that's account, that's step number two. Now, step number three is the main big question. Okay, how do I pay and how much do I pay? So I designed this so every single person can start where they are right now. Okay. So we have three tiers. We have the struggling tiers. People who are literally struggling to make ends meet. People who say, "Go, oh, I can barely pay, afford the rent at the moment. What the hell are you talking about? How am I going to afford this? I promise you, you can start where you are right now and it will work for you. So I recommend starting with 1%. But if you struggle with 1%, start with a half a percent. If you struggle with half a percent, start with a quarter percent. But Just start-, start. Yeah. Percentage is really important because your income will go up. And I promise you, I've done this for many years and I've done it with 100,000 people now. It works every single time. Okay, your income will go up. So as your income goes up, change it from a quarter to half a percent to a percentage to one and a half percent. So percentage is really important. Okay, that's why I don't I don't say dollar. I say percentage sure. amount. makes sense. So start with that. Start with one percent if you can. If you can't, start break it down to half a percent or even a quarter percent. So using the one one exa- percent uh, example, say someone earns hundred dollars a week. Okay, using that 1% example, $1 would go to each of these five accounts. Remember, always put into your account first. When you're transferring money into these accounts, the order is very important. You tell the universe, universe, me account because I'm the most important person on the planet. Of course you are for yourself. You are the most important person, right? 1% to each of these five bank accounts, and then you'll have $5 in, in these five accounts. You'll have $95 for the rest of your expenses. Okay, and that's what you do. I any. Mean, yes, you'll have to do a rearrange somewhere, but I promise you, when you look at your finances, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be able to adjust. And if you can't adjust, six to the half a percent. But sure. I'm sure you can do it. So one okay? percent each account. Yep. Okay. Each account. Okay, and that's and so if you're in the struggling, if you're in the struggling category, you will do one to two and a half percent. Okay, you build it up to two and a half percent eventually. Now. If you're in this, the second tier we have is the, you know, break even uh, or maintaining ones. Okay. Those people who are okay. they meet all the needs and, but they don't have any extra. Okay. Anything extra goes gets spent or something else. Okay. Then they don't have many investments and they just literally just exactly that maintaining for those people. I say, start with three. This goes from three to 5%, start with 3% and build it up to uh, 5% gradually. Now, Three percent. So using three percent example, if you have a person earning hundred dollars, three percent would go. So three dollars would go each of these five bank accounts. That's fifteen dollars. That leaves them with eighty five dollars for the rest of the expenses. Again, they will have to adjust um, out, out everywhere, um, and that's doable. I promise you. You will have you'll find that especially if people are maintaining, you have leakages in your in your money that you're spending things on, on things that you don't need to spend, and you can adjust slightly, and you can actually make it. So it does work, sure. right? So that's maintaining. Then the the third tier is comfortable. And that's where I want everyone to get to. Now, the comfortable people are those who are earning the six figures, who are earning, uh, you know, maybe in the seven figures. They're not wealthy, but they are comfortable. Okay. For those people, I said the tier is between five and 10%, eventually 10%. And by the way, I have people who worked with me clients who started off with like a half a percent and gone all the way to 10%. So I do have clients who've done that, right? but you have to systematically apply it. and I think the client I'm talking about, she's a single mother living in Philippines. It took her two years to get there, but she got there and she's putting 10% into five bank accounts now. So you start with five to 10. So using the 5% example, $5 in each five bank accounts, that's $25, that leaves you with $75 for the rest of expenses. Now, that's how you're supposed to do it. Now, everybody to start off with, it doesn't matter where you are, you know, struggling, maintaining or uncomfortable tier, start with 1%. Why? Because you're building a strategy or you're building a habit and you want to have the least amount of resistance. If you start off with three or five, you will struggle to maintain it after a week or a month or two. I want you to do the system only for three months and see the impact has had one on your energy and two actually physical dollars in your money. I say this to people that I guarantee you that you do this methodology for three months systematically. And if, you know, it, you will see in black and white, the amount of money, you may just manifest money out of the blue for some reason, a bonus comes through, a new client shows up. I don't know, you have a windfall or something, or you, I don't know, you, you somehow money comes to you spontaneously out of the blue, just to prove to you that you've changed energy around money. And now money's coming to you in a great amount and will come to you from, you know, unknown sources as well. So the amount of money that you have in banking account in three months time will change, and then obviously, you go up the percentages, man. But to start off this and start build, building a habit around this, start with 1%. So 1% to one month, go up to maybe one and a half, 2% next month. If you're able to go up to the percentages, do so, but gradually and slowly. So you're building the habit on the way. Yeah. And that's a three history. That mastery. is
1: awesome. That is awesome. I took lots of notes myself. That was great. So I've got a couple follow up questions. First, before we go to the follow up questions, let me ask you this. You've given some great information today, some note taking insight. That was fantastic. Where can people find you? Where's the best place for people to connect with you, Gol?
0: Well, the best place is if you like what I say, if you like what you hear, then come to my podcast, which is Money Mindset with Golcon. So that's what podcast and we're doing pretty well with that. But I also have a book that's come out. It's called Laws of Money. So if you are interested... And the, and knowing about the different laws of money that I have, her, it's called, literally it's called that laws of money. And uh, that's coming out. That's come out already. I think by the time this podcast comes out, it's definitely out already. So the link will be there and you can go and buy that. We have both the Kindle and the paperwork version.
1: Absolutely. We'll put the link in the show notes. Definitely go check out goals book. It's just coming out hot off the press. So the timing is perfect. Let me ask you this. If you could tell the world one thing, what would that be? Become best friends with money.
0: I promise you, once you sort your money story out, everything in your life will sort itself out. And I'm not saying, as I I said to you before, that money can buy you happiness, but I promise you, poverty buys you a hell of a lot of mystery. Focus on sorting a relationship out with money today and everything else will follow
1: oh i love that answer become best friends with money it's so important because people really do have terrible money stories and they don't even realize it and they've got this push-pull relationship and then they can't figure out why things aren't coming together the way that they thought
0: people have so many health problems i tell you because they're stressed out over money i'm like that's one thing you should be stressed about
1: oh and they cause relationship problems and we give it we give it to our kids i mean it's just so many things it's this negative cycle that so many people are in. I love that, that you're doing this kind of work and that you're giving them new money stories and you're giving, you're changing their energy around it. And, um, and ultimately it's all in the spirit of turning it into contribution. Like, all of right, course. now we've got money and now we can do this. We're gonna have an awesome life. You're also giving people permission to want the material things, which is so important because we have kind of stigmatized them. Like, no, no, that's what greed looks like. And that's what this exactly. is. Exactly.
0: Well, you know, why the idea of, you know, this middle-class white guy driving a Porsche, that's the idea we have of, you know, someone with the money. Ridiculous. I am a brown girl. I'm gonna be driving Porsche when I'm, I'm middle-aged as well. So <laughs> how that? For I, sure. I, <laughs> For sure. I, so, and whatever, and you, can you, be, like. whatever exactly, you like, exactly. You can be, money can give you whatever you want, mm-hmm. but just because you have some desires for money doesn't mean that you can't use it to contribute as well. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It can just amplify the good that we're already doing. So it's, it's huge. So both giving people permission, what I love is get both giving people permission to go after the life that they want, the one that, that that they really do want, but then also encouraging people to focus on contribution as well. Like, all right, what is this? What are you going to do? What good are you going to put out there in the world? Because you've got this money. Exactly. You don't get what you want. You get what you are aligned with. Dang, that was good. I loved that line. Goal talks a lot about having a good relationship with money first. So as you bringing in that money, as you're bringing in the Benji's, you can actually keep them. It's not just they come in and they go right back out again. That's about your relationships. Let's think about how we think about money. Good, bad, Many of us have a tumultuous relationship with money. Many of us just have a money story, an association with money that is simply the same one that our parents had. We just pick that right up from them. And Goal challenges us to think differently about money, to make friends with money, as she says, and respect the amazing things that you can do with it. I also liked when she said she works with social entrepreneurs that are more like monks in entrepreneur clothing. Here's the thing, making loads of money so you can do good in the world is a pretty freaking awesome thing. So spend some time thinking about your relationship with money. Is it a positive one? Get clear on how you feel so you can be clear on what you're going to do with that money. Thanks for listening. Make it an awesome day.